sometimes you just gotta go where the resources are and then help everyone along the way as you get there. So that was my rub. You are now tuned in to Misi Muse Unplugged, a podcast for go-getters on their journey to greatness. Unlock the secrets to your success through insights, inspiration, and education. Get ready to level up with your host, author and consultant, Christy Lindor. Hey, my go-getters. Welcome to the Misi Muse Unplugged podcast show. I'm your host, Christy Lindor, thrilled to be bringing you episode six. So today we are actually going to be talking about the measurements of success. How can you, as a go-getter, measure your success in a thoughtful and intentional way? I'm excited about the guest we're going to have on today's show. It's Bianca J. Jackson. So I'm going to give a little bit about her background in just a moment, but I wanted to take Just briefly, go-getters, just take a moment and unpack measuring success and what that really means. So for this season, as you know, it's the science of success. So earlier in some of our episodes, we talked a little bit about how do you define success? What does purpose-driven success look like? How do people who are successful think differently? What's the language of success? And when you think about how do you kind of put it all together, measuring it and tracking your success in areas that you focus on is a very, very important loop back as part of anyone's journey to greatness. I think what's interesting when people talk about doing things, whether it's personal or it's for their professional career, we tend to think about what are the steps that needs to be done. Go-getters, I like to talk about what are some of those mile, you know, those signposts? How do you really measure and track it? So, So to me, measuring success is very similar to measuring progress, right? So you may put a vision or an ideal of what success looks like out there for you, but until you really take a moment, you break your idea down into specific goals and habits and micro habits and able to build that into your day to day. I think it's important for you to also think about what are some of the ways that you're going to track whether you are on the right path or are you in a space that you need to maybe course correct in order to be able to meet some of your goals. So I think it's important to measure that because it really helps build momentum, helps keep you focused. and. I think what's really been helpful, at least in my journey, when I do measure success, it really actually gives me more confidence because it makes it more real. It takes something that's maybe abstract and something that I maybe hold in a great esteem and it really breaks it down into something tactical and real. And anytime you're doing anything, and I, you know, I talked about my definition of success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Anytime you're on a path to a worthy ideal, when you can see progress, it actually makes you happy. There's studies upon studies that shows that humans are really, really happy when they're able to see progress. And so measuring success is really, really important. I'm going to leave you with maybe two, three things to think about before I introduced our guests for today's show. So when it comes to measuring success, I think one of the ways that you wanna think about that is think about what it is you want to measure and why. And when I say why, I like to go beyond just vanity metrics, right? So what do I mean by vanity metrics? 
for example, success for you may be you want to have 40,000 followers on Facebook, right? That just may be something you want to do. So while yes, having 40,000 followers may be a metric that's real, but what's the intent behind that? Is it that you want to be able to build a like-minded community or tribe of people that are engaged and really interested in what you have to say. So thinking about it outside of just numbers. And so to me, vanity metrics is things like number of followers or number of likes that your posts get and that sort of thing. But it's what's the meaning behind it and how does that really help you meet your goals? So that's really, really important is to kind of figure that out. And the second part to that is How often do you want to measure, right? How often do you want to measure your progress? So depending on how much you break it down, there's some measurements you may decide that you want to focus on it weekly. Some it's even daily or monthly, or you can go upwards of annually. I personally, when it comes to measuring success, and I think it really depends on what I'm working on. So let's say if your goal is to lose 10 pounds, right? Given that the sum of losing 10 pounds, it kind of really comes from two ways. Either it's you change your eating and or you change your activity level. So in order to do both of those things, you're doing that regularly. That's not something you would just do once a week in order to see progress. You're probably gonna have to make some changes that are almost daily. So for some people, measuring success of, of a 10 pound weight loss, maybe in the form of being able to you know get on a scale and, and look at where they are weekly. For some, measuring success may not be getting on the scale, right? Going back to the vanity metrics, it may just be, I know when I gain 10 pounds, you know, my pants are are tight. And so for them to feel like their pants are loose again, that is the measurement. And it's not necessarily the number 10 pounds. So think about what it is you wanna measure and why. Think about what does the metrics mean to you and how do you quantify it in a way that it, it provides meaning and shows progress. And then selecting the frequency that gives you an opportunity to be able to make tweaks. So however that that is for you. So going back to the weight loss example, if you feel like after a week you may decide you didn't really make progress like you have because your pants are still tight, that means, you know, you just kind of maybe do a little bit more tweaking. What are some things you can do either in your diet and or in your activity level to really help you increase and make ongoing progress? So that's just a little bit about success. And I actually have a really interesting article. I'm going to put it in the show notes for you where it talks about 20 new ways to measure success. And I'm not going to go into this list on today's show, but I love some of the measurements that the author has kind of come up with. So shout out to the Becoming Minimalist blog. This is actually by Joshua Becker. And and some of his metrics that he's created, for example, I'll give you just number one. The number one says character in solitude. Our character is best revealed, not in the public eye, but in the private. And he goes on to say that being able to display character in the dark will always reflect in the light. So for some people, that's a very meaningful measurement that has nothing to do with, you know, any vanity metrics, number of likes, how much money I'm making, how much I weigh, that sort of thing. So I think when you're on a journey to greatness, Yes, it's important to be able to have measurements that are statistically quantifiable if that's meaningful to you. But I think in doing some of these things and kind of having some of these more character building ways that you build up micro habits and ways of thinking really will help you on your journey to greatness. 
So that's my spiel on measuring success. I'm actually going to introduce our next Yes, I have the pleasure of having Bianca J. Jackson join us on today's show. A little bit about Bianca. She actually was one of our guests on the podcast show before. This is actually her second time coming to BC News. So super excited. I'm going to post a link to her original interview with us about a year or so ago. But Bianca, she is a storytelling and personal branding consultant. That's just one right thing she does. She's done so many amazing things, whether she's been a speaker, she does a lot of training and workshops. She also go-getters recently opened up a meeting space called Brick Rose Exchange in the DC, Baltimore, Maryland area of the United States. So we're going to put that out in the show notes. So shout out to the Brick Rose Exchange family. I am part of that community, even though I don't live there, but we'll talk a little bit about that during the show. So Brick Rose Exchange is actually an art gallery and meeting space for cause-driven individuals and organizations to host impactful and inclusive events. And so on today's show, Go-Getters, she's actually going to talk a little bit more about her evolution, you know, over the years, as well as go deep in terms of like how she decided to go and come up with the idea of Brick Rose Exchange and you know how now she bought a building was able to really kind of transform that space into this really cool meetup space and all the other cool stuff she's doing on her journey to greatness so with that I'm actually gonna pivot over to Bianca and hope you enjoy you're listening to the Meesey Muse Unplugged podcast We'll be right back after the break. Several years ago, I was passed over for a promotion at my job. Instead of wallowing in my circumstances, that evening I decided to redirect my energy using a forgiveness technique I had casually created over the years. What happened over the next 15 months was an absolute life-changing breakthrough. So I decided to put it to the test. I shared the technique with a couple of friends and they too began to see major shifts at work. That's when I decided to formalize my forgiveness model into a book. Hi, I'm Christy Lindor. I've discovered that forgiveness used as an applied strategic skill in the workplace can shift your career to the next level. You can explore this concept in my new book, Release, Use the Power of Forgiveness to Get Unstuck and Thrive in Your Career. Order it now on Amazon or learn more at www.releasethebook.com. So welcome back to the Meesey News Unplugged, Bianca. How are you doing today? Uh, like I told you, today was lit. Or today is lit. <laughs> I love it. I wish I can say every day was lit. <laughs> when you have those types of days, like how do you harness that energy? When you feel like, oh yeah, things is like on fire right now. I try to record it through video or write something on social media or send an email out to my daily email list. Sometimes, you know, bottling that excitement, that energy and putting it in one of those mediums makes me feel good because I can always go back and watch it or, you know, someone will reply on either through social media or through email saying how it affected them or, you know, the emojis are really good energy to get back. That's how I do it. That's a great way to harness this because I feel like just how negativity is contagious, so is positivity as well. I love how like you not only use it, but you use it and you share it with others. You know, it's kind of a ripple effect. It's been infectious, which is great. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, welcome back to the show, Bianca. It's so exciting to speak to you. It's been over a year since you were a guest on the show. So I would love to hear what's been happening since we last, I think we last spoke was like last April, 2018. So would love to hear what you've been up to since we last spoke. Oh man, you should see my face right now. I'm like, wait, it's been since April? Like it's really been that long since we've talked on this show? That is kind of creepy and kind of amazing at the same time. So, I mean, there's tons of stuff that we talked about. I want to say, like, in April, we probably didn't even talk about Brick Rose Exchange because Brick Rose Exchange didn't exist. So, you know all about it, but let me share a little bit with anyone who's listening. Is Basically, it's an art gallery meeting space in Baltimore, Maryland, specifically designed to serve, I should say, your cause-driven individuals, organizations, social entrepreneurs, nonprofits, things of that sort, really giving them a space to do the things that they love, but also celebrating all art and culture at the same time. If you've been paying attention to what's been happening in places like Baltimore, D.C., and Philadelphia, you know, gentrification is a really big issue. What I wanted to do was basically have it be a space where we could avoid some of the negative effects gentrification or even prevent them altogether or just having a space where people can come talk have discussions and really learn from each other so that's what's been going on and since April up until now I'm actually getting ready for the soft opening of the space at the end of the month in June and then a grand opening sometime later this summer so lots of amazing things have been happening Christy <laughs> yay I love that it's the soft opening the brick rose concept I remember when you first told me I think I screamed virtually I was like oh my gosh that's so amazing and I love how you saw this socioeconomic problem and you've really kind of invented something out of nothing before we kind of talk through more about brick rose what compelled you to start the journey of brick rose was it the gentrification or was there a moment where you kind of had an idea and it manifested to this tell us a little bit more about the start of that journey sure more like the later so around april last year i was selling my house and i was just like you know this is too much house for a single person I need to sell this and figure out what's next for my life. So one of the things I said, you know, if I was going to buy anything in the future, it had to have multiple streams of income. So that's all the vision that I had at first. And then I was like, oh, well, it'd be really great to do some type of like nonprofit philanthropic work on the first floor of this building. So I'm like, okay, now the idea is evolving, right? And it was a chance meeting of me running into a gentleman that I met at a conference several months before in San Francisco. This time we ran into each other in Charlotte. We went to lunch and I started telling him my idea of, you know, buying this mixed-use building, kind of doing some philanthropic community work out the, the bottom of it. And by the end of our lunch, I had a full idea of what Brick Rose could be, the first version of it. And it still didn't have a name. And while I was in Charlotte, I got an email from my agent in the Maryland area, it sent me five buildings. And just based on what I wanted, my napkin that I had, and also the locations of the buildings in Baltimore, I told her there was only one building that I needed to see, and that building wound up being Brick Rose Exchange. So the motivation behind doing everything that I talked about just on the, the bottom floor of this building came from out of many conversations that I've had with people, women, entrepreneurs, side hustlers, people who wanted to do amazing things but just didn't have space to do it, to try it, to meet with the community. So I would definitely want it to be a space where people come and try out their ideas, they come show their art, 
we have discussions, meetings, community forums, things like that. So that's pretty much how it evolved. And when you talk about like alignment and listening to your calling, it's like I purposely believe that nothing happens by accident. That there's no such thing as a coincidence. And all these things just kind of lined up because this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to serve the world. So I'm really excited about the opportunity of this and, and just talking to people about it because as I share my excitement, my passion, my enthusiasm for it, I'm able to affect other people because I really truly believe this. <laughs> like I'll be here in the building doing tons of work with just different organizations and individuals really trying to change themselves and also change the world. So I mean, just thank you to you for giving me this platform and also being a part of the Brick Rose journey yourself. So that's pretty much how it started. So what does Brick Rose mean? Does it have a specific meaning? Yeah, it does. So when you think about a brick, you think about foundation, right? Think about communities where people have lived for generations. Is That's the brick part. The rose part is the innovation that happens, new things that grow out of that foundation. And what I wanted to do is use these two words to really explain to people, those who have lived in communities and neighborhoods for a really long time and those who are newcomers, that there's a way to collaborate, there's a way to work and live together. And the exchange part is exchanging culture for innovation and having it balanced, right? So that's where the name comes from. And it didn't happen overnight. A friend actually helped me come up with the name, but I'm really proud of it. You're listening to the Misi Muse Unplugged podcast. We'll be right back after the break. Now available on Amazon. Management consultant and author Christy Lindor shares career secrets based on 15 years of experience working at top firms in a new book called The Misi Muse. A hundred plus selected practices, unwritten rules and habits of great consultants. The Misi Muse provides insights, stories and strategies on the unwritten rules of the consulting profession. Christy conducted research and connected with 50-plus industry titans across 27 professional service organizations on what makes a great consultant. For book reviews, tour dates, and more info, go to www.mecmuse.us. It's a very unique name. I love it. I feel like it fits just the branding and go-getters. We'll make sure we'll put all the links to Brick Rose and as well as our first episode with Bianca in the show notes here. But I really love the name and I love the concept that you have for it. Maybe you can kind of help us understand like people may have bought homes, but I don't think a lot of people may have had experience buying a building. So what would you say was the major difference between buying a house versus buying a building? Yeah, so I'm actually going to write a book about that, Christy, and you'll be the first one to know. It was a challenging experience, and I probably would say that the most challenging aspect of it was finding lending for a mixed-use building. So it's not quite commercial, it's not quite residential, and then there's only certain banks that have products that allow you to finance such a building. So that was probably the most challenging part. And then also, I come from a family of working-class people very hard working class people and we just didn't have trust funds and you know extra money laying around to buy it so I used part of my money from my 401k I used donations so crowdfunding the bank worked with me you're able to kind of modify some of the terms and things 
but this was a labor of love. And if I can go back and do it, I would definitely try to find better options. But I knew that this was what I was supposed to do. But lending was definitely the, the hardest to come by because I would say this, it took about six months to buy the building because I actually had to wind up changing lenders. And then when I found one, you know, just working out all the details and making sure that I had all the piece costs and all the I's dotted. So it wasn't an easy process. Yeah, it sounds really complex. And, and I know you mentioned the, the gentrification part. Were there programs for that community? I know some communities, if it's historical or if it's what they call, at least in Boston, there's special programs for areas that are in danger of becoming gentrified. Was there anything mm-hmm. like that that helped or you really kind of went through the traditional commercial lending route? I just went through the commercial lending route because where the building is located is not in the hub zone. The neighborhood pretty much for hundreds of years has always been a particular demographic and it's not changing. So there's no special program to help businesses or help individuals buy in this particular neighborhood of Baltimore. It's already, I want to say affluent, it's it's doing well. Let's just say that. (laughs) So a lot of people question my decision on why I went here instead of then quote unquote the hood, right? And I think sometimes we think when we're doing this type of work, when we're doing social enterprises, when we're doing nonprofits, that we quote unquote have to be in the hood in order for people to take us seriously or to want to be involved. And it's like, sometimes you just got to go where the resources are and then help everyone along the way as you get there. So that was my route. Like, well, let me just go where it's already resource rich and then pull from that area. And the decision that I made to do that actually worked out really well. Right. No, that that definitely makes sense. And I haven't bought a building myself. That's actually hashtag goals for me. (laughs) Go down that process at some point in the future. Did you have to write a business plan to buy the building or was it just strictly a financial thing? It was somewhere in the middle, right? So what I did have to do was a 12-month projection. And they were sticklers about this and making sure that I had all the business paperwork lined up and stuff like that with the city and the state. While I then had to go through the whole process of actually writing a business plan, I, they did want to make sure that I had a plan to make money <laughs> in the space. They asked me if it was going to be a nonprofit. I told them no. They, they said, good idea. <laughs> so it worked out. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, when you write that book, I think that's a great topic. I don't really see a lot of, especially younger people, writing books on the guidance of commercial purchasing. Mm-hmm. I would love to be the first interview stop, hopefully, when you write that book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know what's really crazy about what you just said? Yeah, you don't see a lot of young people. You don't see, in general, a lot of women in this space. And I can tell you, you don't really see a lot of black women in the space of buying commercial buildings. So I'm looking to connect with all of them because there were a lot of lessons that I've learned along the way that I think if I had someone of a mentor, that I could have bypassed and sidestepped a lot of challenges. But everything's a learning experience, right? Right. Definitely wide open opportunity for sure. Well, I'm going to switch gears. And again, I know we'll, we'll be following along your Brick Rose journey along the way. So love that. And we'll put out the links, Go-Getters. I know there's been a crowdfunding component to this. And Go-Getters, if you're hearing this, check out Bianca and the Brick Rose building, her project. Would love for you to help donate to her cause. I think it's amazing. And switching gears, I mentioned to you before that this first season is about the science of success. So a couple of questions I wanted to ask you around that. I think the first one, 
and I feel like I hear it and just knowing you and, and our past interviews, but what do you think mm-hmm. are your unique skills that helped you become successful? I would say listening to like that inner voice that tells me something is a really good idea or something's a good idea or it's not a bad idea or, or if it's a bad idea. And just really trying to be mindful of does this make me happy, right? Or like would I be proud of myself to be associated with that thing? A lot of my skills I say are intrinsic ones. That's the way I want to describe it. I think sometimes when we look at skills, we look at like hard skills as oh well I work really hard and I get up and at five AM and I'm going hard. For me it's more intuitive. I kinda move at my own pace and that seems to work really well. In my past life, when I was a former technology project manager, everything was like, go, 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 fast, 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 deadline, deadline, deadline. Now as a creative and a visionary, it's just like, what feels good? Does this make me happy? Do people smile when I talk about it? Are people happy when they're in this thing? And for me, that kind of helps tune in and get now focused on getting closer to success. I love that. The intrinsic skill sets. How would you say you measure success? (laughs) Well, I had this funny thought of like, child from the hangover, did you die? I would say if I was able to accomplish the goal or at least get close to it and I learned something. I think sometimes we equate success with being able to cross off to-do lists and, you know, accomplish goals. Like, yeah, that's part of it. But when you don't reach a goal, you're you're not able to cross off that to-do list. Some people get really upset by that. And one of the things I have to realize is that everything is going to happen in the time that it's supposed to happen. And if it doesn't happen, it wasn't supposed to happen at all. So being okay with some things are for you and some things aren't for you. And just moving along with life and being on your own time schedule or, you know, the God or universal time schedule, whatever you believe. But just realizing that your success is going to look different than everyone else's. There isn't one formula to success and everyone should subscribe to their own version of success. You're listening to the Meesey Muse Unplugged podcast. We'll be right back after the break. What if you can finally launch your own consulting business that gives you the confidence to go after any targeted client and build a profitable business, regardless of your educational background or knowledge? What if you can finally learn how to package your expertise you spent years building into a profitable offering and then wake up every day making a difference with clients that truly value what you can bring to the table as a credible business consultant? Here's the secret. You can. Introducing the Purpose Driven Consultant School. It's an online training and mentoring program designed to help ambitious women and diverse professionals become world-class consultants doing work they love with people they like. Courses are taught by me, Christy Lindor. I come with over 18 plus years of experience working for some of the world's most prestigious management consulting firms. Check us out. We're now enrolling. We have a couple courses coming up on really how to start your business. We kick off our program with a six-week boot camp called Consulting Like a Boss. You can learn more at www.purposedrivenconsultant.com. For the last part of this interview, I'm actually going to do a little bit of a lightning round of questions. So first one is texting or talking? Texting. Favorite day of the week? Friday. Why Friday? Because I don't work. 
I've made a promise to myself not to work on Fridays. Oh, I would love to not work on Fridays. Favorite <laughs> favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in? New Orleans. Oh, I love the food. And yeah. it's so mystical there. It is. Even when you get off the plane, there's like this energy there. Nickname your parents used to call you. Oh, just simple B. Oh, B. <laughs> last yeah, last so. song you streamed. It's actually on my computer right now. And that's going to be Erica Badu's Bag Lady. And let me just say this real quick. The last line I heard her say before I put it on pause was, the only thing you need to hold on to is you. Mm, I like that. Yes. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to speak to animals? I would rather speak to animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a dog. I would love to know what he thinks about, like, the things that I say to him. Like, right now, he sleeps right next to me. I would love to know what's on his mind. I think if we found out what animals really think of us, we'd be crying all the time because they probably make our feelings hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And also, I think that they'll probably be so straight and to the point, like, very blunt. And I don't think we would be able to handle it. No, I don't okay. think... <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's so funny. Okay, favorite holiday? Oh, man. Favorite holiday... I'm going to go with my gut. The first thing that came to mind was Valentine's Day. Um, but not, yeah, but not Valentine's Day in a traditional sense. Over the years, I realized that, especially as women, we need to take put more focus on self-love than versus the love from other people. And that's why I think Valentine's Day, for me, is an extra reminder. It's like, all right, don't go look for outside validation. Like, make sure you love yourself enough, or not enough, a lot so that you can attract the love or loving people towards you. Amen. Amen to that. How long does it take you to get ready? I'm quick. 10 minutes. Impressive. (laughs) Scale of 1 to 10, how good of a driver are you? (laughs) I'm going to say somewhere between 7 and 8. Okay. Okay. So fill in the blank. Kanye West is? Canceled. (laughs) 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 at what age do you want to retire tomorrow invisibility or super strength i'm gonna go with invisibility okay is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers (laughs) 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 what what did you say funny I said, hell yeah, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine? Oh my gosh. And what was the last, like, craziest tweet that you read that you still, like, think about? Oh, actually, I'm not that big on Twitter. But the tweet about when a young woman said, give me your dissertation for, like, if you live in the hood or your black dissertation. I think she used the N-word that type of dissertation. So people are coming up with all types of ideas of like the dynamics between parents and children when you tell them to don't leave your door open or something like Some of the suggestions were really crazy. The tweet went viral. I'm not sure. Have you seen that tweet? Yeah, I have seen it. There were some pretty good ones too. And the last question is, um, what is a fun fact about you that people cannot Google? That even though I'm kind of like all over social media, especially when it comes to like LinkedIn, 
I actually prefer my privacy and one-on-one conversations with people. I use social media as the tool that it is because, you know, I want a lot of people to know about me because I think we're in that age of, it's not necessarily about who you know, but it's about who knows you to get opportunities and that seems to be working out really well for me. But I am really that one-on-one person. I love talking to people one-on-one. I hate crowds and groups, even though I do public speaking. And most of the days I spend with very few people or my dog. Yeah, that's surprising. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think that about you. I I always pictured you as an extroverted social butterfly type, Mm -hmm. even though we haven't Mm -hmm. haven't met yet in person, but that's the vision I have. Well, here's the thing. It's like, I know when to turn it on. I like to tell people I'm a social introvert. Being social and meeting people is extremely important, especially when you run a business. But when I'm not doing all of that, I'm really literally sitting with maybe one person, two people, maybe three people, four people at max, or I'm by myself with my dog somewhere, a beach, a mountain, in my house, in my car, you know, visiting my family. Like I'm real, like I really spent a lot of time just collecting me. And then for the the small amount of time that I go out into the world, I do that. And then I come back to to just being me. I just think it's it's extremely important for self-care. If you're too busy out there with other people, you're picking up their energies, you're picking up their vibes, you potentially are picking up negativity. And I live in a happy space. Like, I don't know, I like my little happy bubble and I want to stay there. So <laughs> that's why I live the way that I live because I'm extremely in a good place. It's harmonious, it's peaceful, and I don't want to be around too many things or too many people that may disturb that. Also, well, Bianca, thank you so much for coming on the Misi Museum plug today. If people wanted to check you out, check out Brick Rose, how can people find you? Right now at the website, so brickroadsexchange.org. So brick like brick on a wall, rose like a flower, the word exchange, all one thing, plus .org. Or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there. If you want to be nosy and kind of snoop around to see what I'm doing, you can do that too. And IG, I'm on IG as well. So that's Bianca J. Jackson on IG. So either one of those three will work. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show. I wish you amazing, amazing, smashing success with Rick Rose. And I'm sure we'll be in touch again. That concludes today's show. I want to thank my guests for being with us today. And thank you, my go-getters, for tuning in. There are hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there, and I'm so glad that you've chosen the Misi Muse Unplug to connect with. So make sure you check out today's show notes. You can go to www.misimuse.com for more information. Please feel free to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, and rate it. Until next time, here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in for new episodes every Monday to kick off your week of greatness. Visit us online at misimuse.com for more information. Don't forget to follow Misi Muse on all socials to stay tuned in for upcoming episodes and news from Christy Lindor.